0: we open our bibles to galatians chapter 3 we are going to study verse 1 to 14 but for our scripture reading i shall only read verse 1 to 5 so beginning at verse 1 oh foolish galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before your very eyes jesus christ was clearly portrayed as crucified, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and the works of miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith may god bless the reading from his holy word please be seated good morning once again we continue with our series in The letter of Paul to the Galatians so we are studying the book of Galatians and we come to part four of this series and the title of our message today the gospel salvation by faith alone now we come to the third chapter of this letter and just want to connect this to our previous lessons remember That in chapter 1, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Galatians, Paul was trying to defend his authority as an apostle. Remember that in this letter, Paul was refuting false teachers that were creeping inside the churches in Galatia and trying to distort the gospel that Paul was preaching and so in the first two chapters Paul defends his authority by telling them how he became uh, an apostle that his apostleship was no second-hand apostleship that Paul himself was called by Christ remember in Acts chapter 9 Paul was on his way to Damascus and the ascended Christ appeared to him and called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And so, in chapter 2, he tells us about his experience. He went to Jerusalem, met with the other apostles, and there we find that the gospel of the apostles and Paul's are the same. They added nothing. And the problem with the Judaizers. Is that they were saying yes you put your faith in Christ to be saved but you have to add works of the law you have to be circumcised you have to follow all these food prohibitions don't eat lechon don't eat crabs don't eat shrimps and all my favorite and thank God praise the Lord that I am not a Jew so that I can eat these things and that was the point. Paul was telling them that you are saved by faith. And now we come to chapter 3, and this is where he now defines what the gospel means. He was defending the gospel. He was defending his apostleship in chapter 1 and 2. And in chapter 3, he is now trying to define it. All right? That we are justified. And you know the meaning of the word justified it means declared righteous in other words you are saved by faith alone in christ alone and again historically this letter became you know the stepping stone of the reformation this became the epithets of the reformation that when martin luther was reading this letter it's like his eyes was open. It's like now he realized that the religion that he belonged to was a religion by works, that people were burdened with all sorts of rituals. It's a, a do religion, something that the Bible does not teach. And that's basically what Paul was refuting, that you don't earn your way to heaven. We don't go to heaven. Because of our religiosity. We go to heaven because of the grace of God. Because of the faith. And that is the argument of Paul. And and so in this chapter, Paul gives us three arguments. Alright? He gives three arguments to prove that salvation, justification, is by faith alone in Christ alone. And you don't add anything to it. Alright? right. Now, friends, let me just tell you, we are talking here. The question is how a person is saved. There is no part of human effort. There's only faith, believing in Christ. But that doesn't mean that we don't obey the law, we don't obey the Word of God, because that what follows. If you are truly saved, then you live a life of what obedience and we will talk about obedience in chapters five and six but for now in chapter three paul gives us three arguments he gives the galatians three arguments why the gospel is by faith alone in christ alone the first argument is found in verse one to five And this is about the foolishness of the galatians the foolishness of the galatians remember that in chapter 1 paul was astonished remember he was astonished that these galatians they were fresh with the gospel and how quickly they have deserted abandoned the gospel and abandoned their god and followed these ways of the false teachers the judaizers you know he's astonished and he even declared and pronounced anathema if you remember in chapter 1 he pronounced a curse to those who will be preaching a gospel that is different from the gospel that he was preaching and now he calls them foolish and in this five verses Paul gives five rhetorical questions and, and the, the basic question is, are you really saved by faith or by works? Alright? So I want us to learn these questions and understand the argument of Paul that why he calls the Galatians foolish, anoitos, meaning to say without knowledge, ignorant. Okay? And you have to understand that in this book, Paul used some Harsh words. <laughs> he used the word anathema, and now he's using the word anoitus literally foolish. In the vernacular, what is foolish? Buang, okay? And I, I was having a hard time, you know, in the Cebuano translation. How would I, how would I translate this? I mean, it doesn't sound right when Paul says "mga buang buang." But that's what the scripture says. That's what he wrote. <laughs> See? So we have to look for a nicer word to translate it in English. But the first question was that, who caused you to be spellbound? And he uses a word here, and this is, this is basically the word that immediately jumps out from this passage. Bewitched, spellbound. Notice verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth of the gospel. Now, I want to focus on that word. The Greek word there is baskaino, and it literally means to be charmed. You know? Kung sabi pa na, who? Who lumayu. you? Yeah. It's a word. It's a foreign word. This is the only time the word is used in the whole Bible. In other, in other words, Paul use you know, a foreign word, use it just to make an, a point. Who has bewitched you? It's like Paul is saying, you know, we taught you the truth that to be saved, you have to put your faith in Christ and nothing more. And now you're fascinated, you're bewitched, you're charmed by these false teachers, that you have to be circumcised to be saved that you have to go through all these rituals to fast to not eating this food to observe some feast in order for you to be saved paul is saying who bewitch you who charmed you so it's like they are spellbound that's what paul is saying and and that word has has a bad connotation every time it is used in the greek language it has something of a negative right and and paul is saying who casts a spell on you that you easily you know distort the gospel and friends a lot of people today are still bewitched with new and you know uh more intelligent form of doctrines you know not found in the Bible and and some people are fascinated with deeper truth deeper truth that the rest of the society doesn't know see and sometimes that's how the devil fascinates people nobody knows about this see? and that's how people today are charmed to all sorts of beliefs but brethren the Word of God is clear the Word of God is simple all right not being simplistic it's simple it is given in a very simple language so that even the most ignorant can understand the truth of God and so Paul is saying why you should allow others to charm you to bewitch you before your very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified Paul is saying you know the reason why he died I told you that he died on the cross, and we've heard this, so many witness that he rose from the grave. So that you don't have to do anything to be saved. It is only the gift of God. The second rhetorical question is this. How are you saved? How are you saved? Look at verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you And Paul says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you've heard? And again, friends, it's obvious these are rhetorical questions. Of course, the obvious answer is that no, it's by faith. And Paul is teaching us doctrine here. Paul is saying, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing? Now, let us try to clarify. What's the connection of receiving the Spirit and salvation? is there a connection yes because the moment you are saved you receive the spirit all right that's what paul wrote in ephesians 1 13. look at this and you also were included in christ in other words you become part of christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation remember romans 10 17 faith comes from where from hearing and what is the cause of salvation it's faith so you hear the gospel you put your faith in Christ and what follows next is this when you believe you were marked in him with a seal all right now the the verbs believe and mark there are in the aarist tense it it speaks of a one-time event it's not something repeated so you believe that's one time And the moment you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. He is the seal. And Paul is saying, he's saying, did you receive this Spirit because you follow the law or because of faith? Of course, the obvious answer is faith. See? It's not that these people were, you know, religious that they received. No, it's the moment you put your faith in Christ, that's when the holy spirit was given to you and that is why brethren if you're truly born again if if you are truly saved you are i am the temple of the spirit amen we are the temple of the spirit this is not the temple of the spirit we are the people the church we are the people of god we are the church all right question number three how are you sanctified so Paul is not just saying about how you got saved. And what is sanctification, friends? Sanctification, listen. In the order of salvation, and, and, and this is our lesson every Saturday, right? Those of us attending the soteriology class. Soteriology means doctrine of salvation, right? So every Saturday, around 40 students attend my class on soteriology. What is sanctification? Sanctification. This is the next step. After a person is justified, you're saved. In other words, the penalty of sin is removed. You don't anymore go to hell because the penalty has been paid. Christ's death, all right? His death paid your penalty and my penalty, okay? Sanctified, justified. Now, what follows that is that we live for Christ. For the rest of our life that's sanctification all right so right now which level are we now in our salvation sanctification justification that happened the moment you accepted christ long time ago now that's past our present life is sanctification so paul is saying how are you sanctified notice verse three are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit, in other words, you got saved by means of the spirit. Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now, this teaches another important doctrine in sanctification. Sometimes we think that faith is only necessary to be saved, and then the rest it's by works. Paul is saying that's wrong. That's why he's saying this rhetorical question. Are you saying that you were saved by means of the Spirit and then try to finish your life by means of flesh? Now, in Romans 1.17, this is what the Bible says. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is what? By? By faith. Notice the next phrase. From first to last. You see that? Paul is saying, you start with faith, But you don't abandon faith. Every moment of a Christian's life is by faith. That's why the Bible says, for the righteous shall live by faith. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we live not by sight, but by faith. See? In other words, every single moment of the Christian life is a walk of trust. See? You never depend. Yes, we try to be perfect. We try to obey the commandments of God as much as we can. But, friends, never depend on what you do. Always depend on what God did. Amen? The Christian life is a moment by moment faith. All right? Question number four Why have you suffered? So another, another rhetorical question. Why have you suffered? Notice verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So what's the point of suffering? Now, where do we put suffering in the Christian's life? Of course, because the Bible says that if you're a true Christian, your identity changes. Remember, I, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Here's the question. The world we are living isn't changed. You are the only one changed. So the world is still the same. And so what happens? When we got born again, our lifestyle is no longer the same as the world's. Our desires. That is why if you call yourself a Christian and then your lifestyle, your desires, your choices are still very much like your non-Christian friends, then guess what? Maybe you are not saved. See, if, if there's no change. See, you cannot be a Christian and not suffer. You know why? Because your life is now contrary to the ways of the world. That's why Paul says, have you suffered so many things in vain? The point of Paul is this. If, if, you, were, if you were just like the Jews, you know, you wouldn't expect suffering because you're just like them. But now that you're suffering, it means that now your lifestyle, your desires, your inclinations are no longer on the same level as the world because we are different. That's why James says, James 1, 2 to 3, My brethren, count it all joy. What does the Bible say? Count it all joy. What, What joy? You know, when there's a party? You know? Count it pure joy when you what? Fall into various trials. See? That's not the way of the world. There is no joy when you go through trials, but the Bible says, count it all pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds, various trials. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So, Paul is saying, or James is saying rather, that when, when you suffer now as a Christian, is it because of works or faith? No, it's because of your faith, see? When we suffer, it's because our faith is being tested. So Paul is saying, are you trying to work yourself you know, up to heaven and not by faith? You think suffering is there? because of works no because of your faith last question how did you experience the supernatural how did you experience the supernatural look at verse 5 therefore now paul concludes from his first argument the foolishness of the galatians therefore he who supplies the spirit who is this he who supplies the spirit of course this is the father He who supplies the Spirit to you. Remember, Jesus says, I'm going back to the Father, but my Father will send another counselor to be with you. The promise, Holy Spirit. So who supplies the Spirit? It is the Father. So Paul is saying, therefore, God the Father who supplies the Spirit to you works what? Miracles among you. Does He do it by works of the law or by hearing of faith? So in other words, Paul is saying, remember, when you, when you got saved, miracles happened, no? The sick, they were healed. The demon possessed, you know, the, the, the demons were cast out. And friends, the greatest supernatural work of God by faith is this. Not the healing of the body, the healing of the soul. When a person is born again, that's the greatest, listen, that's the greatest miracle. Why it's the greatest? Isn't that amazing when you're supposed to be bound for hell and now you're bound for heaven? And only God can do that. No one, no no person in this world can, can change the direction of his life from hell to heaven. Only God can do that, brethren. Amen? When you are now bound for heaven, that's the greatest miracle because you and me, we are all bound for condemnation until god did the greatest miracle it's our salvation that's why we call it grace we call it amazing amen and 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 paul is saying did you receive this supernatural miracles of god because of your works of the law or because of the faith from hearing and friends what's the obvious answer to all these questions it's by faith alone see it's by faith alone your salvation your sanctification the sufferings you experience even the supernatural even the miracles that God is doing you receive it not because you work for it it's because you believe amen and that's why there's a song miracles can happen when you when you believe all right now let's go to the second argument So so having argued about the foolishness of the Galatians because they're turning away from faith, now Paul's second argument is about the patriarch of the Jews, Abraham. The faith of Abraham. So from the foolishness of the Galatians, he turns to the faith of Abraham in verse 6 to 9. Now notice this. First thing that Paul wants to say about Abraham is that Abraham's faith, you know, credited, was credited to him as righteousness. Okay? Abraham's faith, that was the basis of his righteousness. That's the argument of Paul. And now Paul goes back to the Old Testament saying, our great father Abraham, he's the most righteous man who ever lived. I mean, that's what the Jews believe. He's the father of the Jewish nation. He's the father of their faith. He's the father of Judaism according to their religion. And he's saying, Look to our own father, the founder of Judaism. It wasn't his work that made him righteous, it was his faith. All right? Look at verse 6. So also, Abraham believed God. And notice this. And it was credited to him as righteousness it was counted to him as righteousness see even before abraham obeyed the moment abraham trusted god god doesn't have to see the work because he could see the heart see the work is only a proof of the heart so what is important to god do you believe me in your heart see abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness brethren this was actually quoted directly from genesis 15. all right so right now i want you to quickly turn your bibles to genesis 15. let's go to the old testament genesis the first book in the bible right go to genesis chapter 15 because this is very important remember god gave abraham the the covenant you know called the abrahamic covenant it was first stated where which chapter in genesis anybody genesis chapter 12 all right god says you know you will be become a great nation all right you will have so many children and when god gave that you know Abraham was 75 years old all right and years pass and still no son all right no son years pass and you know abram was already you know having this uh, lord <clears throat> lord uh, did you remember what you you, you know you, you promised a few years ago uh i'm about to celebrate my diamond no longer diamond <laughs> what's more than a da- diamond okay centennial <laughs> And then God says do not be afraid Abram I am your shield your exceedingly great reward and then again in the next verses again God promised you look at you look at the stars you look at the sand you know your children will be as many as the stars as many as the sand you can count them all right God simply reiterated, repeated you know repeated restated you know the promise and you know what the Bible says, notice this, in verse 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. You see that? God says, I will do this. God spoke the word, Abraham believed, and in in verse 6, the Bible says, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Friends, this is a declaration of God. That God declares people to be righteous. In other words, God declares us to be innocent when we put our faith in Him. That's what happened. And of course, you know, he believed in God. He, he says that he's righteous. But what happens next in the next verses, you know, in verse, from verse 8 towards the end of the chapter, all right? God, you know, Abraham wants to be practical this time. Abraham this time wants it to be legal. And so, yes, Lord, I believe in you, Lord, but can we put it to writing, (laughs) so to speak? Can we have, uh, you know, can can, can a notary public sign it? Can it be notarized? I'm speaking, you know, I'm just trying to say it in the modern terms, but that's the essence here. Abraham says, yes, Lord, I believe in you, but Lord, this time can we make it to a writing? And you know how they close a deal during that time? during the time when they close a covenant or a contract, there is a ritual. What do they do? They would require animals to be split. (laughs) You know, split animals. A calf, you know, a goat. Okay? They split these animals and the two parties are supposed to what? To pass in the middle. That's their ritual. You have to understand, this is how they make contracts at the time. All right, no lawyers yet. So that was their signing. They passed. And what's the meaning? A lot of people don't understand. What's this? What's the meaning of this? You see, sometimes you have to understand the culture. The culture is that when they pass through this split animals, this is actually the contract. When you don't follow, when one of us don't follow our agreement in this contract, this will happen to us. See, that's the meaning you will be split. I will be split into half. See, that's the meaning. It's a bloody contract. <laughs> Alright? And, 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 and that, that, that's, what, that's what Abraham was asking. Lord, can we put this into writing so that, you know, I believe in you. I'm not doubting. There was no doubting here, but there, there needs to be a ratification of the covenant. So this is a, what you call to ratify the covenant. And so what happened is that god caused abraham to to sleep and according to genesis 15 you know verse 8 going towards the end of the chapter you will find there that there was this this smoking pot and this torch passing the split animals where's abraham sleeping In other words, you try to understand what happened here. What's happening is this. Only God went through the ceremony. Abraham was sleeping. In other words, in the contract, there was not even what? Abraham's part. It was only God. Which means that in this covenant, Abraham, I don't require you to pass through it. Because it's by faith. See? That's the idea, friends. That's the idea. Salvation has already been declared by faith even as early as Genesis 15. See? Abraham, you represents humanity, those who believe in me. In this, you don't have to pass. I alone will pass. I will do the ceremony. There's nothing that I require you to do except believe. So when Abraham woke up, the covenant was ratified. God was saying you're going to be a great nation all the nations of the world will be blessed through you but remember this Abraham you never pass at the middle of this ceremony I only did that and that is why it is by faith alone amen see the point there and that's why God declares and he credited it to him as righteousness because he believed brethren the covenant with god the old covenant you know first covenant with man abraham all right it was by faith alone all right now we come to faith you know when you come to faith in christ and you put your faith in christ you become what children of abraham now remember the jews let me give you the backstory here the jews they all they all say but we're jews if i'm a jew I'm a child of God. See? That's their their common knowledge. Because we are Jews by blood, we are saved automatically. See? We are saved automatically. But Abraham corrects them. Look at verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. See? The children of Abraham are not the blood you know the blood-related people of abram no here paul is saying if you're thinking that salvation is something that you that can be passed on by blood no and and sometimes we have this mistake because my lolo and lola are elders of the church well i'm probably saved because my parents are born again believers i'm probably saved no see You have to put your faith in Christ. You don't depend on your parents' faith. Right? Salvation is (laughs) non-transferable. You have to own it. Okay? It cannot be transferred to your family. Even if you're so saved. If your children do not put their faith in Christ and in Christ alone, they will still spend their eternity in hell and you in heaven. And that would be very sad. That's why, that's why, listen, children, listen, you know, you have to understand as parents. Sometimes we parents are forceful, you know, you go to church, you read your Bible. Why are you not reading your Bible? And sometimes you hate us for it. I understand that. But please know our dilemma. It would be so lonely to spend eternity in heaven without you there. I hope you understand. Are you you listening, children? When your parents ask you, go to church, why are you still sleeping? Alright? Turn off the cell phone. Pray. See? When we do that, we are not mean to you. (laughs) Please understand this. We love you so much that we want you to have faith in Christ. Amen? That's all. See? We are not forcing you to a religion we are trying to force you to a relationship see and so please when when sometimes when when we're out of our control please understand bear with us we just love you too much I hope my kids are listening to me right now (laughs) all right we do that because we love them because we know that in the Bible who are the children of Abraham they are those who put their faith see According to Greg Powell, it says, Nobody acts more like Abraham than the person who is exercising faith. Amen? We become children of God. And then third, third, from the argument of, of the faith of Abraham. Look at this. Common blessings. Faith not only makes us righteous before God, not only makes us children of God, but faith. Faith in Christ makes us in common blessings with the Jews. Notice verse 8. Scripture foresaw that God would, take note, justify the Gentiles by faith. Right? Now, the Gentiles' inclusion to the blessings of Abraham is not an afterthought of God, as some people think, that, you know, because the Jews rejected because god's own people rejected god and so god opened the way for the gentiles to enter no don't ever think that we gentiles are second-hand people of god there is no discrimination of god amen never think that we gentiles are less of god's people compared to the jews because you know this is going on this is going on there are christian groups today that you know they love the jews they they, they would do anything for the Jews. They, they, sometimes they appear like a Jew. They grow some, you know, weird stuff here because they want to become like a Jew because, you know, the Jews are, are God-privileged people. And it's true. But friends, this is what the Bible says. When you put your faith in Christ, you are as much Jew as they are. See? See? Our faith in, listen, our faith in Jesus Christ is the ultimate equalizer of all races. See? When we put our faith in Christ, we are like the Jews. That's what the Bible says. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. See this? All nations will be blessed through you. Friends, if you put your faith in Christ today, you will be blessed with the blessings of Abraham. Amen? Not in the sense of, you know, uh, the, the place, the the inheritance. You know, please don't get me wrong. Ah, pastor, sunan so luna dito sa Israel. So I'll go there, Pastor. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll follow the Holy Land and, and look for my inheritance because that's what Abraham, you know, God gave to Abraham. Not the inheritance of the land, but all the blessings of heaven. Amen? Not the land. So those who rely on faith, take note, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See that? Faith makes us righteous faith makes us children of abraham and faith gives us common blessings with abraham those who rely on faith see so that's the second argument of paul first argument of the foolishness of the galatians second the faith of abraham now let's go to the third are you still with me all right the third argument of paul You know, proving that salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone, the flaw of the law. The flaw of the law. See, Paul is saying, you Judaizers, you false teachers, you always rely on the law. You always go back to rituals. You always go back to the law. But the law is flawed. That's why God made a new covenant because the old covenant was flawed. And God knew it. I mean, some people say, Pastor, I mean, was God, you know, in error? Did God fail? Of course God cannot fail. Was God aware that the law was flawed? Yes. In fact, that was the point. He made it that way because he was trying to make a point. The point is this. You try to live your life by the law, and you will always fail that's why you have to come to me see so that you don't have to depend you will have to rely on yourself because yourself cannot be relied on rely on me that's the whole point of the law all right now first one reliance on the law is cursed that's what paul is saying when you rely on the law when you rely on following all the ceremonies all the rituals and by the way friends here and elsewhere in the letter of paul when he calls the law the law the law he's not just talking of the ten commandments he's talking of the whole package and by the way the whole package of the law is what there are actually do you know how many commandments 613 all of them you count them all in other words if you want to be perfect you have to perfectly obey all the 613 laws of moses if you do that you can go to heaven But congratulations, if you can do it. (laughs) God knew you can't. Alright? He knew that. That's why these people who are saying, you know what? In order to be saved, you have to add this to your lifestyle. You know? Paul is saying, don't you know, Galatians, that reliance on the law is a curse? Look at verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are what? Under a curse as it is written now what is this curse what is this curse curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the law where do you find this curse brother you find it in Deuteronomy 27 you write this down Deuteronomy 27 26 failure in one law is failing all again the standard of God it's only zero and a hundred See, if you can't make it, you know, you can't claim it. (laughs) See, you don't make it to heaven. See, God, God really stated it. Deuteronomy 27, 26, to show that failure to keep the law perfectly brings what? Divine judgment. Verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, James says, he is guilty of all. See? So Paul is saying, see, it's useless. Why do you try to earn God's favor by just works of the law? See? You just have to trust Him. Again, friends, I am not saying that, Pastor, are you saying that we will just be lawbreakers? No, no, that's not the point of Paul. The point of Paul is that you don't depend Your heaven based on observance. Heaven is about trusting Christ. Amen? Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. See? That's what Paul is saying. Why are you so foolish, Galatians, that you're trying to earn your way by doing all these rituals when God? declares people righteous, those who live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. You know what Paul is saying in this verse? He's saying living by faith and living by law are two exclusive things. You cannot mix them. You'll be crazy. If you try to live by the law, then that will be your standard. You will be judged based on the law. But if you live by faith, see? If you live by faith, you live by my grace. So Paul is saying, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the person who does these things will live by them. So friends, reliance on the law, is there's a curse. But here's the good news, okay? So let me close with a good news. Redemption in Christ is the cure. Amen? If reliance on the law brings curse paul is saying because none of us can ever ever cure ourselves god provided the cure see that's the gospel god provided a cure redemption look at verse 13 christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by how by becoming a curse for us for it is written curse is everyone who is hanged on a pole or hang on a tree and brethren, that's what Jesus what Jesus did. Remember, redeem the word redeem. We had this last April our series about the atonement. The Greek word is ex agorazo. Okay, okay. Who are from from Mindanao here? Like you know, Cagayan de Oro. What do you call the marketplace? Agura. See, that's the Greek word agura, market. So redeem is ek agorazo, meaning to. You say ek I mean out. So Ex agorazo means you were in the market as a slave and you were bought ek, ek out see that's the greek word redeemed. christ ex agoratsu us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse in himself he became the curse why he took our sin he took our shame see second corinthians five twenty one. God made him, Christ, who had no sin, to be what? Sin for us. Notice the word for us, on behalf of us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So brethren, listen, listen. Here's an important doctrine. When Jesus died on the cross, there's a great exchange that took place. All my sins, when I put my faith in Christ, listen. All my sins were imputed in his body. He died for it. In exchange, all his righteousness, because Christ lived. That's why Christ has to become human. He cannot obey the law in heaven. He has to obey the law here on earth. So, all the obedience of Christ, because you and I cannot make it. We cannot become perfect here. He lived a perfect life, so that his perfect life is credited to me. And our sinfulness was credited to him. So, he became the victim, we became the redeemed. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel, brethren. When you put your faith in Christ, all your sins are imputed to His body and all His righteousness imputed to us so that when God sees me, God declares me righteous. Why? Why Why am I righteous, Lord? I did nothing except by sin. God answers, oh no. Yes, it's true. You did nothing but sin. My Son did everything for you. That's why we are declared righteous by faith amen that's redemption see that's the good news and last verse he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to abraham might come to the gentiles through christ jesus what an amazing promise brethren all the blessings that god said you know in the old testament about his people that he will take care of us that he will never abandon us Friends, all those promises were given to the Jews. But they are yours and mine through Christ Jesus. Amen? So that, as I conclude, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. Amen? By faith. Alright? So in conclusion, based on the three arguments of Paul, from the foolishness of the Galatians, from the faith of Abraham and the flaw of the law, what's the conclusion? That salvation is sola gratia, by grace alone. Sola fide, through faith alone. Solos Christus, in Christ alone. Brethren, I want you to follow our next lesson because next week is very interesting. We are going to talk about the purpose of the law. If the law is flawed, why God gave the law? that's next sunday let us pray father in heaven we offer to you our praises and thanksgiving for saving us lord we are gentiles and the jews would see us as lesser beings but thanks be to you father that because of our faith in jesus christ you have given us your promised holy spirit and we are co-heirs with them co-inheritors Of all the blessings that you have given to Abraham and all because of faith nothing in us that's why Lord in gratitude to what you have done may we live every moment of our life by faith may this faith produce change produce repentance produce obedience in our lives a real person who is saved is sanctified. A real person who is born again lives a new life in Christ. That's why the Bible declares, if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Lord, grant us the Spirit so that we can live this newness of life by faith alone. In Jesus' name, Amen.